0: And thank you for tuning in. This week, I chat to the fabulous designer and stylist, Tan France. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with Tan... This man is going to lift your spirits. He's most well-known for bringing us the hugely popular and heartwarming Queer Eye on Netflix, which he truly helps people in need of a lifestyle makeover. He also presents Dressing Funny on YouTube and the Netflix series Next in Fashion with Alexa Chung. He chats about growing up in Doncaster and working in his grandparents' clothing factory from the age of seven. And tells the most romantic story about his wedding day, plus a jaw-dropping story about Disney, and some hilarious tales of what people do to him when they recognise him in public. I'm giggling just thinking about it. I hope you enjoy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. It's that Gabby Ruslan podcast. Gabby Ruslan podcast.
1: Gabby. Yes. Are we not seeing each other?
0: No, we're just talking.
1: I mean, I did my hair. I put on a nice top.
0: Well, weirdly, okay, here's the thing. So apart from your hair, which I have to talk to you about, because I know that only one person has ever put their hands through your hair, not even your husband. I want to be the next. But (laughs) I I felt that I couldn't just sit here in a tracksuit. I had to dress up for you. Oh,
1: that's nice. So did you? Yes. Even without a camera? Good.
0: Yeah, no, because it's you, Tan. (laughs) It would just be wrong to be a slob. <laughs> so, what are you wearing? Tell me. Talk me through what you're wearing.
1: Okay, I am wearing sweatpants. However, the the nicest ones I could find. Uh, I <laughs> during this whole lockdown situation, whatever we're calling it, I have lived in pajamas and sweatpants. However, as as far as I'm concerned, if they're the nicest ones you can find and they do you justice, I think it's wholly acceptable. you you're at home. Be comfortable. However, up top, I'm wearing uh, a lovely shirt. Um, that has a little bow detail at the front um, and it's uh, it's something I like very much. What colour? Give colours. It's, it's grey and I'm decked out in uh, a lot of my gold um, that I've accumulated over the last few years um, just to brighten it up.
0: Oh, how gorgeous.
1: <laughs> and I'm
0: wearing pink because I love I love pink. And I
1: do love pink.
0: But you know how happy I was? I think it was mid-October. You put um, a post on Instagram with you in this great bright pink sweatshirt and bright pink hat. I, I loved it. That made me a... Very happy girl. Do you know, it's so weird because I obviously feel like I know you so well because doing all of my research, I've been around your house with you. Are you in Utah? Are you in your house now, speaking to me?
1: Uh, Yeah, I just got back. So uh, we live uh, in LA and um, Salt Lake in Utah. um, And I just got back to my Utah home uh, very recently. So
0: many things to talk to you about your home. Firstly, uh, the size of your... Now, we say wardrobe. You can say closet. We'll say closet. Yes. So... The size, you've got the whole of the top floor and then you've got the basement as well.
1: Yeah, it's, so the basement isn't done yet. We, we don't know what we're going to do with it completely yet so we're taking our time. However, uh, yeah, the, the full length of the, the house on I mean, the top floor is a walk-in closet <gasps> um, oh, and it makes oh. me so happy. <laughs> Oh I know that anyone who ever sees it in the video that you're referring to or in the comment in person I know it seems like a lot however it's your job yeah I work with clothes for a living and I get sent things almost every day and I need space for it and so Yeah, it's something that makes me really happy. I love my closet so much.
0: Oh, so do I. I honestly, I want to come to your house because you've got that beautiful table and you cook everything, although you're not allowed to make rice pudding. I think rice pudding is the invention of the devil.
1: (laughs) I love rice pudding so much, so much. However, if you do come to the house, and you are welcome. Actually, let me get this out of the way really quickly. I'm sure your audience already feels this way, but I i feel like I need to express it. I've, I've loved you since I was a kid. You, uh, when you, 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 I mean, you woke me up every morning. Aww. And you were the first person I saw in the morning, other than my own family. And uh, we met... At it was Weld Child Awards. Beautiful event and, and a really important event that I got to go to. And I don't know how I got invited, but it was very nice that somebody invited me. And I got on stage to present something with a, a lovely lady called Kirsty. And I went to say hi to you and you were just so kind. And you whispered into my ear something along the lines of, I'm so happy you're here or I'm, uh, something very kind. I
0: think I said I love you. I think I you said did, I you. did not I didn't you. want to say it <laughs> because I
1: didn't want to sound really ridiculous by saying it in case... <laughs> <laughs> that isn't what you said, and I and I was too, a little too starstruck, and then I saw you literally a couple of months later in the lobby of um, Chris Evans's show, yeah, and uh, and it was just such a joy, and I said hi, and then I sat back down. Alexa Chung said, "Do you know Gabby?" I was like, "Nope." I met her once, but I feel like we're friends. Oh, <laughs> uh, well,
0: it's really weird because when I was going around your house on the on the video, I, <laughs> I honestly was like, Oh my god, there's my friend, look at his house. Oh my god, it looks at- <laughs> <laughs> And then I thought, oh, I'm gonna be speaking to you and I'll say, I can't wait to come for dinner because I've seen that you've got Wuthering Heights on your bookshelf, which is one of my favourite books ever. I just I took it all in, you see. But but there is another thing that I thought was I'm sorry, but this is The my 19-year-old daughter, I rung her up and because she is such a super fan of yours and she's away at university. And I rung her up and I said, "Okay, darling, he actually has a cupboard of candles. And she said, well, that's it. Now I love him even more.
1: You actually have a cupboard of candles. Listen, any Brit that's listening to this will think I've lost my mind and I've definitely lost touch with... (laughs) uh, Yeah, and I've lost touch with my roots. However... The houses in America are a little larger. And and it's just my husband and I, and we didn't need all this extra space. So I thought, well, what are we gonna use this closet for? I know what I have so much of in excess and it's candles. And I just, I, I was never a candle person. Before we got this house, I couldn't care less about candles. And when people would gift candles, I just thought, what a strange gift to give, like you're literally burning money. However, now that I found the right candles that they just make the house smell like home. Without it, it doesn't feel as cosy. And so yeah, that candle closet, it's amazing how uh, controversial that candle closet was for me after that video. I either got so much hate or so much love.
0: The other thing though, which I thought was so adorable in that video, was that you hide your awards behind a clock. I
1: am still very English. I've been in America for 12 years now.
0: And you're a citizen now, aren't you as
1: well? A US citizen? Yes, I am. I'm officially an American citizen, but I'm still a very proud Brit, I'm a dual citizen. However, there are certain things that you just can't knock out of a Brit. And that's one of them where it's kind of embarrassing, the award thing. And when I go to Americans' houses, I've become friends with uh, thankfully many people in my industry and they they house their um, awards so proudly. And it is something to be proud of. However, it just gives me the ics if I have the awards on the shelf and people come over, so I hide them away. Oh,
0: be loud and proud with those. So whose houses have you been to that put their awards out?
1: (laughs) Share. I mean, uh, uh, Courtney Cox is a really good friend and she has more awards than most people I know. She should be absolutely proud. She's incredible. And then there's a guy called Benj Pasek who um, created the show Um, Dear Evan Hansen, which is now actually in in the UK. Incredible. He also created um, La La Land um, and The Greatest Showman and he's got so many awards.
0: Well, he deserves them as well. And so does Courtney. and So do you.
1: (laughs) I don't know about that. I honestly feel, you know, it's it's always interesting when I speak to um, the Brits. I, I don't do a lot of press in the UK. I mostly do it in the US. And it's always interesting when I speak to the Brits because I know that we uh, we're kind of um, discreet about successes. However, I've been here almost half my life now, where I don't feel the need for faux modesty. I am really proud of all the things I've achieved, considering where I came from, and. When I say that to a Brit, it means more to me because they understand that being working class from a small town, really, you understand that better than any American ever would. And so I am really proud of the achievements. It's just weird to have them on my shelf. But um, <laughs> uh, when, when I, sometimes my sister and my brother will rag me a lot. They make fun of what I do. And many people in my family make fun of what I do just to keep me grounded. But I, I do remind them. Look, it, this was, sh- this is shockingly unexpected. Nobody expected Pakistani Tan from Doncaster to be here.
0: Oh, and that's what makes it. Even more wonderful, and that's why I whispered in your ear, "I love you because actually that's what we still see so in queer eye and and um, dressing funny, which I think is is brilliant um Thanks. all of the shows that you do that's what we still see, and that's probably like you say you're teased by your by your uh, siblings that's important you're very you just seem grounded and you seem excited. When you were on Chris's show and I saw you last time as well with Alexa, I just thought you're just a regular guy who's very much real and and it hasn't changed you this fame, has it?
1: Thanks. Um, I'm going to take this clip and send it to my publicist um, because my publicists hate that I do not know how to play this Hollywood game. You're not meant to say everything you really think. You're not meant to talk about the things that you really feel. You're meant to just play your cards really close to your chest. However, I do still feel like regular tan. I really do. Every time I'm around the people that I'm around, inside I'm thinking, how the heck did I get invited to this? This is insane. Where I came out less than three years ago, many people are shocked by that. They think we've been around for years and years. We haven't, it's very new still. And so for me, I I still very much feel like Tan and I just can't believe that I'm invited to the things I'm invited to, that I'm stood in the places that I'm stood and that I get to be on camera. I, so I love that. Partly because I never tried for it. I'm, I don't know about you, Gabby, but did you study performing arts or did you hope no, for- No, I just,
0: I wanted to be a TV presenter from the age of three. That's all I ever wanted to do. I was the shy girl who wanted to be on telly just to do it.
1: And I love that almost everybody I know- knew from a very very early age that that is what they wanted to do and they uh, thankfully they've achieved it and they're happy. For me this was this is my second career actually this is my like fourth or fifth career and I never expected it and so I think I'm in a really different position where I didn't need it, I didn't long for it and so I just get to enjoy it and I say what I want to say because I think if anyone ever kicks me out and says, that's it, Tan, we're done with the ho- with Tan in Hollywood, I can say, okay, I had fun whilst I was around and I got to say whatever I wanted to say unabashedly.
0: How fantastic. But you're talking about your many careers. Your career started at seven years old. Yeah. When you went to your grandparents' factory, which I've now... Am I right in thinking they were, you always thought they were making for Disney, but they weren't.
1: (laughs) You know, I I wrote a a book, and it's called Naturally Tan. I wrote in the book that I used to go to my granddad's factory, I used to work in my granddad's factory over the summer. And he made denim for Disney. Um, Up until the age of 13, when it closed down, that is truly what I believed. And I was so proud. And then I wrote the book went on a press tour in the UK um, and did uh, like live events. And my sister came to one of them and she rushed backstage afterwards and said, you've got to stop telling that story about Granddad's Factory. And I was like, why? It's such a proud thing to talk about. Um, And she said, no, no, no. You were clearly way too young to remember (laughs) why it it closed, why it got shut down. I was like, it didn't get shut down. He closed it down, he retired. She was like, no, no, no. It got shut down because it, we were making knockoffs of Disney products. <laughs> And I had no idea, and Disney had no idea. So I uh, I started talking about it very early on when people would ask about my career before this, when I was on the Presto for season one of Queer Eye. I talked about how I started to learn how to sew in a factory that made denim for Disney. And so Disney was wonderful. They flew me out. They they had me come to uh, their events, their, their um, theme park. <gasps> and then literally a year and a half later, I had to say, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Apparently we were crooks, like we took from you, we weren't weren't working with you. They've been great about it, they've been so wonderful about it, because obviously I wouldn't have known, but I just feel so bad now thinking, oh my gosh, you guys were championing me as somebody who has been a Disney person from day one, but really, (laughs) we were stealing from you. (laughs) Oh, I shouldn't laugh, but it's a great story,
0: oh my word. But you actually did learn, OK, they were knockoffs. We won't discuss that. Yes, yes we will, because I can't resist. <laughs> um, but you were actually making denim jackets and things as a teenager. So, I mean, that's a real skill.
1: Oh, yeah. I, so I remember very distinctly knowing how to make jeans and denim jackets and denim like waistcoats and stuff and saying to my mom, I this is this is it for me. This is my life. This is my career. I, I want to work in this. And it was so hard to convince my family that this was an acceptable path for a a male, a Muslim Pakistani male.
0: Why is that?
1: Because um, anyone who is listening who knows, who's close to Asian families or is Asian knows that there aren't that many options that our families encourage us to take. When you are immigrants in a nation, you want your kids to achieve the most respectable positions and that in our community just so happens to be doctor, lawyer, or sometimes engineer something academic. And so if you have a child who doesn't want any of that, all they want to do is make women feel the best they possibly can by making clothes for them. That is not something that boys do. That is not something that immigrant children do. Um, and so I fought an uphill battle constantly. Um, and even up until the point where I had businesses here in America that where I was making women's clothing, even at that point, my mom, I think, well, not I think, I, I know, she assumed I was just selling printed T-shirts out of the back of my car at like a car boot sale. And it was an established business that was incredibly successful internationally. And she just couldn't compute that making clothes, doing something creative could really uh, generate a career for somebody in success. All they've ever known is academia achieves that, not creative.
0: And how do they feel about it now? How do your family feel about this extraordinary turn of the past three years?
1: They find it really strange and shocking. So they don't get much of anything in the UK other than Queer Eye and they don't really see many interviews. So when I do do a press tour in the UK, it's really cute when I'll go over to my mum's house, and she'll play an interview that I've done on it, like, let's say, for example, Lorraine. And she said, did you know you're on TV? I was like, yes, I know, mom, I I do that for a job now. I just, I don't think they can compute. And I brought some of my family out to London when I was um, on a press tour there. And they saw me in public for the first time uh, normally I go straight to my mom's house or my sister's house, and they don't see me out and about, so nothing changed for them in their minds. I was just their brother or their son, and they saw me for the first time walking around the streets of London, and they found it so confusing. And then finally, my sister just turned to somebody who asked for a photo, and she said, "It's just stupid, Dan. I don't, I don't <laughs> get it." And actually, that was perfect. It really did make it so clear that they haven't seen a change. I, I just get to still be regular Tannen. I I don't do you come out to LA and watch it by, by any chance Gabby
0: well weirdly the last time I was there was to you talk about courtney was to set up courtney i mean i did meet her then but um uh but to, was to set up a friend special and the guys came over and did a friend special over here and i found la a strange
1: place it is a strange place I do agree with that i didn't like it for many many years however um when i shot a show there last year i fell in love with it i was there for a a couple of months and for the first time ever i thought wow I, i can make my piece here so um the only friends i have there are industry friends it's hard to make friends in your 30s and all of my friends i love them so much however at these events you meet people and you just think wow I'm positive at some point you were a normal person but you've forgotten how to just have a normal conversation or talk about regular things and it happens so often and I I I really tried my best to make sure that I never become that person I never become the person who doesn't remember where they came from and I have things that I would never have had as a uh, a working class person in Doncaster however I still have the same values, the same morals. I live in Utah because I don't love the celebrity life. I don't go to clubs. I don't go to bars that most of the celebrities go to. I will go to events around the Emmys and the Oscars and that's it. Um, because I, I don't want to get sucked into a life that isn't real for me.
0: Well, I'm going to bring you back down to earth with a bang because I got very excited. This is this is going to show you exactly where I'm at. You worked for Zara. Yeah. I love Zahara.
1: Yeah, I loved it so much. It was, so I worked for the Inditex group in general. And then I started out with um, a company called Bershka, which I don't know if they still have it in London, but they they still- Yeah, they do, yeah. Okay, they used to have it in uh, Manchester and I loved it so much. You know, uh, people really rag on fast fashion for so many reasons and th- uh, for so many reasons they're right. The climate issue first and foremost.
0: Oh, I agree. I agree. I agree. But Zara, I've, I've got stuff from Zara that's old and I me too. wear it. I do shopping in your wardrobe and that's what I go on about all the time on I've my Instagram seen. is the, if, if you're going to buy something, then reuse it, rewear it. But Zara's
1: fab. I talk about this a lot in any uh, situation I get where people ask me questions about shopping. The amount of times i've said shop at the likes of zara or h&m or uniqlo those accessibly priced places but just choose the things wisely don't go for the hot new trend because that's going to last six months and yeah. then you're going to look silly when you wear that go for something that's a little more classic but you know you will get years of wear out of and then fast fashion is great because it's affordable uh, and it's something that will hopefully last you years and i know that they say when you buy fast fashion it falls apart after one wash that's not the case at all. Half my wardrobe, Zara, and I've had it for at least 10 years, I take care of it.
0: Yay! Half your wardrobe, Zara! Yeah. I don't know why that's made. I don't work for them. I've never done anything with them, but it's because that's where I dress. So you've just made. And all the people listening to this are just going to go, oh my God, it's not just Chanel. I
1: assumed this before I got into entertainment. Again, I didn't know anyone in entertainment. I didn't know this industry before I got into it. It was such a random fluke and uh, stroke of luck that I ended up in this world. And I assumed that. Celebrities just buy designer clothes all the time and that's what they live in. Um, actually, pretty much no one, even the wealthiest in my world do not. They will shop at Zara with me. We've been shopping to Zara together. When we get those expensive things that are either gifted to us by the designer and we promote it um, in return, that's their version of marketing. Or we borrow it. I I, I do wear designer clothes uh, often on the red carpet, but I definitely am not paying for it. I borrow it and I return it after the event, probably within the first day or so. I think that's a really common misconception that people feel they need to keep up. And so I find it really important to tell the average um, viewer of mine or the average fan of mine that please don't be fooled into thinking I purchased this. I I think it's a waste of money to spend $10,000 on something like this if you are not a multimillionaire I don't want you going into debt because you think you have to keep up with the likes of my world. That's not the case at all.
0: But there is one thing that you can't live without. And actually, I'm wearing um, some now. Um, I have never seen a man with more white trainers <laughs> in my life. It's changed so much because I remember years and years and years ago, my mum died many years ago. But if I if my mum saw me going off to, a, to an event or to something in white trainers with one of my maxi dresses she just go why are you what were you wearing trainers but now what happened in the world that suddenly was it you three years ago and suddenly we're all now white trainers
1: <laughs> I would love to take credit but I don't think it was me I've been wearing white trainers since I was 17 I got my first pair there we I... go it's
0: you it is you <laughs>
1: I remember exactly where I got my first pair. Do you know Manchester much? Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. It's always raining. Do you, yeah, always. Do you Do you know somewhere called Affleck's Palace? I don't know if it's still a thing, but it used to be a thing.
0: No, I don't. If it's
1: still around and you're in Manchester, please go. They, they have a load of vintage stores in there that are fantastic. And you, you will find things there that you will not find anywhere else. I promise you, you'll love it. I don't work for them in any way. I'm not endorsed by them. I just truly love it. Um, and so I, I purchased my first pair there um, and I just realized that they were the easiest shoe because they, they went with everything I owned, even a suit. And so I continued to get white trainers when the, the when the old pair would die. Um, and so now every time I dress somebody, I will always put a pair of white sneakers trainers in their closet just in case they need them and they can't come up with something last minute. They, they're rushing out the house. Well, a white pair of trainers will go with everything if they're simple enough. Um, And I think that's a case for men and women or non-binary, whoever you are, I think a white pair of trainers will just They're the easiest go-to. But it's
0: awful. I've now become, so I also, I love shoes. I've got, uh, silly, I've got too many. And I just love them. And they make me very, very happy. And I sometimes I just take them out just to
1: look at them because I love them. Yeah, me too. Oh, Oh. yeah, me
0: too. But but my go-to are always, I'm looking, I'm looking at them. You can't see me looking at them, but I'm looking at them now are my white trainers. They've got a bit of pink and orange on the side, but just they're,
1: go to? I have so many pairs at this point because people know that I love white trainers. So the companies that gift things regularly will just send them. So I I have probably 40 or 50 pairs every couple of months, I will do a really deep uh, purge of a lot of the things that I own. And there's a a homeless um, LGBTQ youth center here in Utah. Um, And so I will take it there. And I drive around Utah getting running my errands, going to the grocery store, uh, and seeing these young LGBTQ kids around town wearing all of my clothes is so sweet to watch. And they're all in white trainers, and it makes me so happy.
0: Oh, I love that. Um, Okay, so you live in Utah, to me, Utah, is, uh, you're too young, but the Osmonds. So, do you just walk down the street and you see another Osmond brother? And do they sing? um, And they called it puppy love. Or do they go past you and go crazy horses? So, okay, I'm going
1: to give you, I'm going to tell you a little story that I don't think I've ever said before because my mum would kill me. I don't usually talk about my mum, ever so i was moving to utah 12 years ago i was living in new york for a short time she asked me if i was going to move back to england i said no no no, i'm going to move to a different place i'm going to move to a place called utah and my mom uh, is an immigrant she speaks english perfectly well but it's definitely her second language and she definitely doesn't understand geography Um, and so i told her i was moving to utah and i've mentioned many places i've been before she had no idea where new york was she didn't know where uh dubai was none of those places but when I said Utah, she immediately whipped her head around and said, Oh my gosh, the Osmonds live there. Yes, yes. And I said, Mom, how the heck do you know that? You know nothing about geography. And she said, um, I have only ever had one crush in my life, and that was on Donnie Osmond. Oh, that's <laughs> it was so, so sweet and earnest. I know, it was so sweet. Um, and so she asked, Look, if you ever, ever see Donnie or Marie, can you please just like, get that autograph? I said, look, mum, people don't do autographs anymore. I'll get a picture. No worries. However, they don't actually live here anymore. The older ones do, but the younger ones live in Vegas. They have a show in Vegas, so they live there. Oh, so you haven't actually seen them? No. They're like three people in my industry that live here, and I've met two of them only in passing. Uh, Do you know the show Modern Family? Oh, my goodness, yes. Okay, great. Ty Burrell, who is the dad on the show, he lives here. And then he owns a couple of restaurants here. And then there's one other person, her name's Katherine Heigl. Um, She used to be in Hollywood. She's not really around in Hollywood anymore, but she was a big deal in like the early 2000s. Um, And she also lives here. So there's there's literally three of us. Yeah, you don't really see famous people walking around Utah very often. Apart,
0: Listen, if you wait in the right places, I'm sure you'll see the older Osmonds somewhere. Because I thought they had a, a theatre there. Years ago, I think they had a theatre there.
1: They did. They don't have it anymore. Oh. I think it ended in the 90s. It might have been
0: because of the Book of Mormon. They might have put them off. Yeah.
1: Have you seen the Book of Mormon? It's so good. It's one of my favourite shows. I love it so much.
0: Oh, don't get me on musical theatre because I love musical theatre more than anything.
1: I went to something when I was 17. It was a date with a boy who wanted to take me to London for the first time. I was like, yes, wonderful. Let's go to something called Proms in the Park. Being South Asian, we don't really know much about theater. We don't, don't, our parents definitely aren't taking us to that, not in the eighties. And he took me to watch Proms in the Park and the most amazing woman I've ever heard in my entire life sang voice of a freaking angel. Her name is Ruthie Henschel. She sang... Oh, isn't Ruthie fabulous? Oh my gosh. Her and I have become friends over the last few months by uh, Instagram and it makes my heart melt. I love her so much. Um, she was the one who introduced me to musical theater. She sang, that, uh, sang I Dreamed a Dream. I literally sat there crying. I'd never heard the song before, but she was so beautiful. And then... I made it my life's goal to watch as many shows as I possibly could. And I'm really proud to say a lot of my friends here in America are musical theater people and it's just they're fascinating. What they do every night blows my mind. Just,
0: well, you've got, okay. So have you, um, uh, West Side Story, I think is one of the greatest ever. It's just wonderful. Then uh, Chorus Line.
1: I haven't seen
0: it. I really want to. Oh my goodness. And then Dear Evan Hansen that you just mentioned and then Hamilton. So all the modern stuff as well, it's
1: just, Oh, I didn't think I would love Dear Evan Hansen. So um, the creator of the show, uh, Benj Pasek, is a, a very good friend of my castmate, Anthony Anthony Um And Anthony introduced me and he's the nicest, uh, Benj is the nicest guy in the world. And he said, um, have you seen my show? Nope, I have not seen it. Okay, I'm gonna take you myself to see it. Wonderful. You are
0: kidding me. Yeah,
1: I know, it was so nice. And so I saw the setup and it was so modern. I thought, I don't think I'm gonna enjoy this. I like that musical theater is usually Harks back to the old times, old world, and I, I sat there blown away. I thought that what they did is so special, and I've seen it. I think eight or nine times now with him. We go every time in New York. He's like, "Do you want to go watch me?" Well, yeah, sure, let's go. It's so much fun. I love it so. Much.
0: Oh, musical theatre is just something that I always disappear into. I absolutely love it, and and actually, uh, clothing as well. It's really interesting about. I, it's, I'm not going to use the word fashion because I think fashion suddenly people just go oh no I don't want about fashion yeah but clothing is something that it's very weird. And and styling and everything, something I've always, always, always loved. And secretly behind the scenes, you know, people have always said, oh, can you take me shopping? Can you do this? Can you do this? And I've always loved it. But it's for years you sort of had to be quiet about it. It was one of those things that you couldn't be loud and proud about.
1: People thought it was shallow.
0: Isn't it weird? And now I think thanks to you guys and thanks to, I suppose, Trini and Susanna all those years ago and um, that people suddenly thought, Okay. It's not just about what you're putting on. It's about how it makes you feel. And Queer Eye, it's just about giving people that confidence through clothing, through how they feel about themselves, having their hair. It's not, it's not, let's inject you and let's make you look not like you. It's getting the real you out and fashion does that doesn't it
1: yeah i think that that's what is so special about queer. eye and i know that's arrogant to say but oh it is special it is reality shows have been around for a very long time um and they're called reality shows and i've got my air quotes up because they are real people but they are often so heavily produced they would say um let's say for example we're talking about the kardashians kim Courtney said this about you Courtney, kim said this about you and then they put them in a room, and there's a fight, and that's pretty much every reality show. Whereas the creator of our show and the the person who who directs and runs our show, her name is Jen Lane. She. Um, On the first day, she said, we're going to try something different. We are going to do the most real version of an unscripted show that you've ever seen. So we're not calling it a real show. It is an unscripted show. So there's no producer whispering in your ear saying, and now you should say this, and this person said this about you. None of that. Let's say, for example, my scene in a store. I say, I need you're allowed two to three hours. I always take three hours because it takes them a long time to dress. I want my three hours. I want my cameras to be here. And so you go those three hours talking about whatever you want to talk about, no producer in your ear. So everything we say is completely what we feel, not what a producer or director wants us to say. And we never, ever have reshot anything. No, no matter how important it was, if, something, if a cameraman missed it, if the sound guy missed it, it's done. We want that hero, the person that we help, we refer to as heroes, we want those heroes to feel like it's just me and them. And uh, that they've got our undivided attention, that we're not being coerced into anything, they're not being coerced into anything. And so that's why I think the show is so beautiful. Um, What we achieve is the most real version of reality. And so when I'm, I'm talking to them about clothes, what I'm saying is really how I feel I don't care that this thing isn't in fashion anymore. I don't care that you think that you're too big for skinny jeans, you're not. I want you to feel just as gorgeous as that person who's a size zero. let me tell you, that person who's a size zero has just as many body hangups as you do. Now, let me put you in this and tell me how you feel. I don't care if it's not trendy, just tell me what you feel about yourself in this. Can you be kinder to yourself in this than you were in the thing you were wearing before I met you? And if the answer is yes, this is the direction we take. It's not my agenda. I'm never trying to put them in something that I think is the right thing because it's hot right now. It's Everything is based on who they are and the life that they want. And I think that's what makes Queer Eye so special and what I'm trying to push as far as style and fashion goes. And I've had so much criticism from the fashion community who- No, why? I'm just gonna say the word, who will bitch at me constantly saying, he's not about fashion, he's just a wardrobe stylist. So he's helping people um, look like regular people. And I just think, yes, I know you hate me for that, but that's exactly what I want. I want them to feel like themselves. I don't want them to have to compete with Ariana Grande or Nicki Minaj or any of those people or Julia Roberts. I want them to be the hero of their own life. I want them to look in the mirror and think, I still feel like Jane. I'm not trying to look like Julia Roberts. I still feel like Jane, but the best version of Jane.
0: And that's why it works. And that's why every single time I laugh, I cry, I laugh again. I feel... It just makes me feel very excited for all the right reasons. And I and that's what clothes can do to people. And I get so many people, um, not obviously as many as you, nowhere near. But I get lots of people saying to me, how do you dare do that? And I, I'm scared to mix patterns and I'm scared to wear colour. Because yeah. I go on about colour a lot because I think, especially at the moment, everybody's very, very... You know there's a lot of people who are very, very down and feeling very scared and very frightened, yeah, and you just realize that it's just those simple little things, and the the pastor one that sticks in my mind is that what you did with with him what you how you made him feel by putting yeah. on that jacket, yeah. and then the t shirt and then the black trousers he just he looked like he'd been elevated to a place that he'd always wanted to go to,
1: yeah, I think sometimes they're waiting for somebody to say it's okay. For you to care about how you look um, i think there's been so much shame associated with taking care of yourself and doing what feels right for you because it seems selfish and egotistical i know the words self-care that term has been over used at this point we're exhausted with it but we talked about it so much in season one because that is what it is it take care of yourself make those small changes that really do change the way you view yourself. I did a big tour a couple of years ago where I was uh, on the road, literally every two days I was on a flight and I would visit a different university and I would talk to them about what they think of themselves when they look in the mirror, if they feel negatively when they look in the mirror and they think, well, I look like a slob, nobody wants to date me, I haven't got the life that I want. All I'm asking is that you try buy something that you want, not just because it's a thing that you need for work, not because you need a black suit, you need this dress for work. Buy something that you want, that you like, that you've never dared to put on your body before. When you put it on your body, and you look in, look at yourself in the mirror, if you don't feel better, then I will accept that and I will never harp on about it again. But if it makes you feel something, a version of you that you so desperately lacked, then it it means that this matters to you, and you should continue to do it. And I've I've done this so many times at this point, not just through Queer Eye, even though we've shot so many seasons. I know for a fact at this point, I will be hard pressed to find somebody who doesn't feel better when they've made more of an effort in what they're wearing.
0: Yeah, it's so true. And I think I think now, you know, you, we were joking about saying that uh, wearing tracksuits and track pants and. Um, God, there is a difference between the way, you know, Americans and English talk about clothes. You know, I know you talk about dungarees and overalls and yes. pants and pants. But, but you know, everybody wants to be comfortable. But you're still, I remember a girlfriend of mine, uh, the first lockdown, um, and she she was really, really down. And she contacted me and she said, I just, I can't, I can't do anything to make myself feel better. And I said, do, do me a favour, put on a bright top and just put some mascara on. And she just went, why? Nobody's seen me. I said, put mascara on and put some lipstick. She said, oh, you always do that, don't you? I went, yes, yes. And it makes me feel better. And it's those simple little things that anyone can do. And people are, I think people are scared to to admit that they're feeling down about how they look because then they think, oh, I don't want to, you know, there's so much, everybody's so judgmental.
1: More so in the UK. After living in both places almost an equal amount of time, I find that the Brits are so much harder on themselves and less willing to accept that they may feel blue. We were taught from a very young age that we don't show our emotions, that we don't cry, that we don't say that we need help if we are struggling with our mental health. And that is the the one, there are many beautiful things about living in America, but that is one thing I really respect is that when somebody's feeling down, they'll say, "I'm, I'm having a bad day and I would love to talk to somebody and help myself get out of this situation and I respect that so much and I love that you told your friend to do those small things that quite honestly it's going to change your whole day I I don't know if you felt this way I definitely felt this way I I, I, for the first couple of days I made no effort because uh, last year I had nine truly 19 days off the whole year only 19 days. I didn't have to do glam. I didn't have to be on a flight. And so this, when uh, Corona uh, hit and, and I knew I had to stay home, the first two days I said to my husband, I'm not going to wash my hair. I'm not going to plan an outfit. I'm just going to be for the first time in years. He was like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Do what, do what feels right. And then two days in, I would walk past a mirror and catch myself in the mirror and think, who is that person? I don't like that version of me. I don't like the laziness that I'm engrossed in. I want to make an effort because i want to feel the same joy i feel when i make an effort my husband and i have been together for 12 years and i think that one of the reasons why it's so successful is because we respect each other enough to make an effort for each other i don't make an effort at home just for myself even though it is important to do it for yourself i also want him to know that i respect him enough to make an effort for him and he does the same for me without having to ask and that really that really is important
0: you two are so cute together i does he still leave a note for you every single morning
1: yeah pretty much
0: when did that start how did it start we
1: had we had a lot of long distance uh relationship months in our first few years and so it would start with um like little facebook messages we used to communicate through facebook 12 years ago and so the, it started with that and then when i would be in the same country as him the same house as him he would leave for work uh i wasn't um working a regular job i had my own businesses so i worked from home so every time he'd leave in the morning he would leave me a note and this started yeah within the first year and it's continued on and every time i get on a flight and again i i fly out when it we're not in this horrible time we're in now i'm usually on a flight three or four days a week and as i'm leaving to go to the airport and if he's already at work i'll either find a note in the house or a note in my bag reminding me of why he married me and it's lovely
0: how did you two meet
1: we met online (laughs) we met on a dating website um it was before apps uh, i'm thirty seven he's forty three we We met on a dating website where you had to um, connect to your Wi-Fi, which took a while. Get on your laptop, and uh, I was in Salt Lake City, Utah, w- uh, visiting friends, and I I'd made friends over the years. and um, And they were getting really frustrated that every time we'd go out to a bar. I used to go to bars. I definitely have no interest in doing that anymore. Um, that's a young person's game. Um, I would go out to these bars and clubs, and uh, the and I was the only brown person. I'm one of the very few brown people in Salt Lake City. There really are so, so, so few, no, so few. And so I'd go to this uh, bar with them and it was a gay bar and I was the only person of color there. And people just found it fascinating and they thought I was exotic. They didn't even know where Pakistan was. And I spoke with this foreign accent. And so I would get the attention of the people that they, my friends wanted to date. And so they said, look, we're going to stop this. We're going to put you on a website so they can't hear your silly accent and fall for it. <laughs> Let's put you on this website <laughs> instead. And so uh, I, I got on a website and within the first couple of hours, um, Rob messaged and said, you don't look like you're from around here. And my response was... Sorry,
0: the first couple of hours it was that quick it was that
1: quick and wow. he reached out and said you don't wow. look like you're from around here and I responded to say yeah no shit Sherlock and <laughs> uh, and he apparently really liked my, how sassy I was and so he messaged for a few days uh, I didn't want to date I was only on there because they wanted me to be on there I had no intention of dating I, I wanted to be single for a while I'd gotten out of a, a relationship where I was dumped um, and left for somebody else and it, it destroyed me and so I wanted to be single for a couple of years and really be good being single and I was and so I had no I had no interest in dating. But he wore me down and the, um, a few days later, we, we got um, lunch and it went really well. And um, and then we saw each other every day for the next few days until I left. And the rest is history. We, 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 we saw each other every day via Skype.
0: That is so adorable. So tell me about your wedding. Was it completely incredible?
1: I, so we, we got married twice. We got married in the UK. Uh, that was our first one. And then we had to get married a second time in the U S for my green card, um, a few years later. So we got married in the UK. Um, we'd been together for a year and a half. We got married at the Islington town hall. We didn't want, big wedding. We've never been the grand gestures kind of people. We do everyday romance. We couldn't care less about commercial romance or romance that is just a one-off. We don't see spending a lot of money on something or going into debt as romantic. And so we decided to go to the town hall. We had two witnesses and I had chosen my suit a few weeks in advance and so had Rob. But when it came to the wedding day, Rob put his suit on and he didn't like it. He just felt really unhappy with it. And he and you should feel like your very best on your wedding day. And he loved my suit and he was sad that he didn't feel the way he wanted to feel in his suit. And so I took my suit off and gave it to him to wear. So he felt wonderful. And I oh. wore his suit, which was a size too big. <laughs> and uh, it looked like I was wearing my dad's suit. It was... Horrible on me. Uh, But I didn't care because he felt beautiful and it made me really happy.
0: But that's the most romantic thing I've ever heard.
1: We definitely don't do grand gestures, but yeah, just little things like that.
0: You you got me there completely with that one. Um, So now something I always ask on this podcast is what makes you laugh? Because you do, you smile. All the shows that I've seen you going on and all the chat shows, you just have this smile. And in, and in Queer Eye as well, you have that smile. And I can tell when you talk about uh, Rob that you have that smile. So what makes you properly laugh, belly laugh?
1: I love comedy so much um, which is why I created the show dressing funny so if anyone hasn't seen the show I take comedians shopping some of the most incredible comedians and so what makes me like fully guffaw like so laugh so hard is usually a comedy show I have nobody in my life and I've said this and it's very harsh but I've said this many times before to groups of people if you don't make me laugh you're not in my life. <laughs> I'm not a very serious person very often. I'm incredibly playful. And I like that you said you always see me smiling and whatever I do. My castmates will say, if they, you ask them one thing about me, I've watched many interviews with them and they all say exactly the same thing. Tan is the happiest person, the most positive person you'll ever come across. No matter how oh, crappy things are, I will find a way to make it myself happy and to and to be positive and yes. convince people that yes. I know it's terrible right now, but there's still light at the end of the tunnel. It's going to be okay. And we're gonna to work together to make it okay. And so I always have a smile on my face, um, but to make me really laugh, um, it, it takes somebody who knows me, knows my humour. I do, I hate to say, I know it's cheap and tacky, but I love some vulgar humour. I love an inappropriate joke. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just like somebody who is witty. I don't know if you, did you meet Alexa Chung the day yes, that we- Yes, I did. Yes, uh, we, I have okay. a
0: couple of times.
1: Her wit It's so inappropriate sometimes, but because it's in a, a moment that we shouldn't be making that joke and that's the last thing you should be saying, that makes me laugh so hard. We've had an unfortunate time in our family where we've had a lot of people pass away.
0: I'm so sorry. Thank
1: you. However, I get it from my siblings. We're all very similar, where it doesn't matter what has happened, we will find a moment to laugh about the situation even though it's a family member who's passed away we'll find a way to lighten the mood not laugh at the situation but lighten the mood and say yes this is horrible but we are going to get through this together through humor.
0: Oh, I agree. And I, I think agree. That's
1: why I'm so playful. I
0: agree. I mean, I you know people always say to me, "Do you just do you just laugh all the time?" I, I yes, it drives my husband yes. mad when we wake up in the morning. I start laughing. He goes, "What now?" And I will just think of something <laughs> stupid. My two favorite things um, about you that made me laugh so much when I was doing all my research was. <laughs> You say that strangers come up to you and lift you up and bounce you.
1: Yes, what? not anymore. No. They had to stop because uh, we, uh, every time they come up, I now have to say, do not lift me. Uh, what do you mean? <laughs> I, so uh, on Queer Eye, I am surrounded by giants. I have um, four <laughs> castmates who are all at least six feet tall. Uh, And I'm 5'9", which is the average height of of a British and an American man. Completely average height. However, people see me as somebody that you can put into your pocket because I'm petite. And so when they see me in real life, the first thing that they do is they will charge towards me and lift me. And they're (laughs) so excited that they'll bounce me up and down. And even though it's hilarious it's horrible when you're on the receiving oh, end so because you have off. a so stranger funny. a complete stranger and they usually i don't know why they're disproportionately sweaty and they and i have <laughs> full body contact and i don't get that close with many people in my life but these complete strangers love to jump uh, to have me jump up and then they will bounce me up and down and, and they call me Tanny. Jonathan and Anthony, uh, and now the others, they all call me Tanny on the show, or Tanny Banny, um, just to be idiots. And so now strangers in the street, when they're running up, they're like, oh my gosh, Tanny Banny, it's you. And then they'll pick me up. It's funny if you're not the person who's being No, I know. Twisted. And I'm
0: so sorry. And when I next see you, I promise I won't lift and bounce. But the <laughs> fact that people lift and bounce you just had me in hysteria.
1: It's always straight men, Gabby. <laughs> always straight men. I don't really walk around anywhere anymore just because for security, I, I do have to accept the fact... Yeah, because you don't want to be lifted yes. and bounced. I do I have to accept that I am a <laughs> gay Muslim man and a lot of people definitely don't love that. So for security, I'm usually in a car. However, in New York, it's definitely a place where you walk around. A lot. you, it, Getting around in the car is actually very, very difficult. It takes a long time. And so New York is always straight... Great New York big burly men who will say oh my gosh me and my girlfriend love you and then they'll go in for it
0: they'll lift and bounce lift and bounce.
1: I I got injured on one of these lift and bounces. Um, So I I fly between LA and New York very, very, very regularly. It's a five and a half hour flight. And and one day at the uh, the LA airport, somebody got so excited that they lifted and bounced me, huge guy. um, And he threw out my neck and I was like, oh my gosh, you threw out my neck, Put, put me down, please put me down. So he put me down and I couldn't move. But for the whole five and a half hours, I had to sit upright and could not move at all. And so Netflix got involved and the security team got involved. They're like, what do we do to stop this? And they're like, you're just going to have to be mean and get that reputation of being mean to people who try and stop you. But when they come up, I'm like, so nice to meet you. Do not lift me. <laughs>
0: had me in hysterics is that when you go to the to the loo, um, when you go to the bathroom, as they say in America, that people ask you to do the French tuck?
1: Yes. They will ask for a picture, they will ask to hug me or they will ask me to French tuck them.
0: While you're actually peeing?
1: It's very, very, very rare I'll use uh, a urinal. Um, But if I'm forced to, if there's nothing else available, I will have to. However, that's the time they get me. Every time they will stand no way. They will stand at least, they will stand in the the slot next to me or the one over and they'll act surprised that they've seen me. And I just think, I saw you follow me in. And then they'll say, can we take a picture? I'm like, I, don't, I definitely can't take a picture in the restroom. Please wait for me outside and I'll take a picture there. Or they'll just try and come up and hug me from behind. I'm like, do not, please. No. The amount no. of times it's happened, Gabby, the amount of times it's happened. It's insane.
0: Oh my word. So you, okay, so the two things you don't want, you don't want to lift and bounce (laughs) and you certainly don't want to lift and bounce or a French tuck when you're actually full
1: mid P. I will say this. I do feel, (laughs) this is a weird comment to make, but I do feel incredibly lucky just because (laughs) They're not doing this to most people in my industry because most people, most of Hollywood, they're acting. And so you don't know what to expect. You don't know if somebody's going to be mean in real life. You only know them as a character. The fact that they do this to me means that they clearly have um, a a, a liking for me and they feel like I'm their friend. And I think that's the most confusing part. That's lovely.
0: But not while you're peeing, not while you're actually... Midst wee-wee.
1: Let me tell you, so, so it, I started to figure it out when I was in New York. I turned a corner, and this was maybe two or three weeks after the first season came out, and uh, this group of girls saw me uh, turn the corner, and go, oh my gosh, what are you doing here? Within, Without skipping a beat. Oh my gosh, what are you doing here? And I realized that, oh my gosh, they think they know me.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
1: they think I know them. They think I'm their friend. And so we learned a trick from a friend of ours who has been in the industry for a while. The way you do it is you say, Hi, my name's Tan. And that stops immediately, and they start to realize, oh my gosh, I'm treating him like I know him he doesn't know me I don't actually know him I just think he's my friend because of TV. And so that has that has done me so well. Every time that happens, every time somebody screeches all of a sudden as if they've just seen their friend from 10 years ago, I say, "Hi, my name's Tan. Nice to meet you. What's your name?" and it takes them right out of it and they're like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry you don't know me." I'm like, "No, I don't know you, but it's so nice to meet you."
0: Next time you're in a- the UK just please let me know because I just want to I will I just want to sit and laugh with you
1: let's go to dinner I would love that very much and let's
0: go shopping together
1: I mean yes of course I would love that to Zara a quiet one though not one of the busy uh, not one of the busy ones (laughs) on Action Street whatever or Regent Street let's go somewhere no 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 actually wait I know we're wrapping up but I've got a question for you go on it's only fair all right yeah Um, did have you been tempted to do anything in the TV space in clothes? Oh my God, desperate. I
0: desperately want to. Everyone keeps wanting me to do shopping in your wardrobe on telly. I've just got to find the right way to do it. Okay, good. I cannot tell you what an utter joy you are. Really, really, really you are.
1: I've loved it too. Stay safe. I know that things are scary out there right now, but please stay safe. And uh, when the world opens back up again, I'll be in London and we shall for sure get dinner.
0: Bless you. Thanks, Tan. Take care. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Coming up next week on that Gabby Roslin podcast, The One and Only Sir Michael Palin. That Gabby Roslin podcast is proudly produced by Cameo Productions. Music by Beth Macari. Please press the subscribe button and it will come straight to your phone on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you choose to listen. Also, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It's that Gabby I'm